welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm your host, Graham Richmond, and this special episode is a continuation of our very popular admissions director Q&A series. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Donna Swinford from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. Donna's title is Associate Dean for Student Recruitment and Admissions, and she has been at Chicago Booth since 1997. I think it's safe to say that after nearly 25 years, Donna is a bit of a Booth lifer at this point. Um, she has a degree in history and public administration from Northern Illinois University. Welcome, Donna. Thank you, Graham, and thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Uh, you said it right. I've been at the university since 1997. Yeah, so I can't wait to hear a little bit about this, and that's actually a perfect um, segue into the first question I had for you, um, which is I just wanted to know a little bit about your background and the path that led you to, you know, to your current role at Booth. Uh, yeah, so it's actually going to be 24 years next month on October 6th. And uh, it's always interesting when you have your LinkedIn on and everyone's now congratulating me on my work anniversary and such. <laughs> uh, but prior to uh, starting at Booth, I worked for the state of Illinois for about six years. And I had a really short uh, stint as a consultant prior to starting. I actually started at uh, Booth in the career services office. I had an IT role. I ran their help desk and all their recruiting operations. Uh, after a couple of years, I actually moved to the IT department at Booth, where I was a project manager. And in 2005, I joined admissions, where I oversaw all their operations. Um, my predecessor, Kurt Alm, he was just a wonderful mentor. And over the years, he gave me additional responsibilities, overseeing evaluation and recruiting. And then when he left admissions to move, uh, to take on a role of the CMO at Booth, I was appointed the Associate Dean of Admissions, and I've had that role since 2019. Got it. So you've really, I mean, it feels to me like you've probably seen, you know, the admissions process from a lot of different angles and, you know, some exposure even to the marketing side, I guess, with, um, you know, having worked with Kurt, who went on to CMO role and, um, and even some career services, like you probably couldn't help but pick up on stuff while you were over in that office too. Yeah. And um, one thing that I've done is I've saved all my email. So I actually <laughs> have this University of Chicago booth archive in my email box. And uh, just last week when we had the September 11th anniversary, I went back to read all my emails oh, wow. from that day. Interesting. And the email announcement from the president at the time, the dean, and the back and forth. It was really interesting seeing something that happened 20 years ago in my email. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, now you're reminding me that we probably um, have a lot of um, people that we know in common. And I know we have other questions to get to on the podcast, but I realized that when I worked at Wharton in admissions, I worked for Rose Martinelli, right. who later left Wharton to become um, admissions director at, at Booth. So I have a feeling you must have overlapped with her, right? I mean, because we've been doing this for a long time, both of us. <laughs> yeah, Rose actually hired me. Ah, uh, okay. And um, recruited me from IT to oversee admissions uh, operations. Excellent, okay. So yeah. Got it. All right, so while we're talking about your job, I got to know, like, what do you like about this work? And also give me one thing that you don't like so much about it. Uh, okay, so what do I not like? Um, <laughs> I don't like the process of traveling, the having to go to the airport, waiting in lines and making reservations is that part. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but which, uh, yeah, it's yeah having to order Ubers and pack. 
But once I get to my destination, I really enjoy being able to interact with prospective students and also our alumni. Uh, my favorite part is always the crafting of the class. I love being able to find diamonds in the rough, reading all the stories, and being able to identify candidates with potential. Uh, I'm someone who I love puzzles, and I really think of admissions as one giant puzzle, where I get to put together all these unique pieces, people, to create the class. Uh, so just last week on September 13th, we welcomed 621 new first years on campus at the Harper Center. And it was really amazing seeing everyone together and seeing all the pieces in one room. Uh, what is sometimes a little hard as an admissions director is because I know all the stories. I've read all the applications. I know details about people that they might not reckon or realize I know. So it sometimes gets a little hard when I'm talking to someone thinking, oh, I know that you were this in college, or I know you did this without being uh, like other, for lack of a better word, creepy. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I definitely love the crafting of the class. I think that's great. It's almost like a superpower that you have. You know, you're in this room of people and you know all this stuff about them, um, which obviously they must remember they've shared in their file, but it's hard. I think sometimes candidates don't know or, or they don't give enough credit to the admissions team as having actually, you know, being able to remember this stuff. Um, but I agree with you that putting together the puzzle and then seeing them all show up on campus has got to be just, I mean, it's, you know, truly rewarding. Um, so... Okay, so you have everyone on campus now, which is great, um, but give me a, a Chicago booth stereotype that you'd like to debunk, because I know that our listeners are probably thinking like, okay, that class has just come in, and they have these like, you know, visions of what that class is like, but what are, you know, what's a stereotype that you want to just, you know, try to like bust here on the podcast? <laughs> uh, I think that we're just a finance school. Mm -hmm. We hear that all the time. Uh, and again, it's very true that there's no better business school in the world to really study finance, but our strengths and our students are so much more diverse. Uh, for example, the number one concentration at Booth is actually entrepreneurship. And uh, this past year, the class of 2021, 78% of the graduates ended up with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Wow. Uh, the second most popular concentration is finance, which is 49%. Uh, and while we're not done finalizing this year's employment report, 35% of the graduates are entering the consulting, or have consulting roles, 21% mm -hmm. tech, and if you combined all the various financial services roles, it's 28. Okay. Uh, but we just have a very diverse student body who have all these different interests and are able to find success here at Booth, regardless of what their interest is. That makes sense. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I would hope that our listeners are very well aware that across, you know, all the top schools and, you know, particularly schools like Booth that, you know, the strengths are numerous and that there's not, you know, there isn't this sort of stereotyping happening um, with, with respect to like a single discipline. Um, while we're talking about campus and students showing up and everything, I wanted to know What's one new thing that's happening or, or maybe forthcoming on campus that you wish more people knew about? Uh, sure. So I think that we're all really excited about what is happening at the university along the lines of quantum technology. Uh, so earlier this year, the university and the Polsky Center launched Duality, which is an accelerator for quantum technology startups. And this summer, the first cohort of six companies was announced. 
Uh, so duality, what it is, is it's a 12 month accelerator program where startups get $50,000 in access to mentorship, office and lab space at Booth. Uh, and so we're really excited about this. Wow. Yeah, that does sound interesting. And, and is this, um, are the companies that come in, are they, are they kind of um, early, early stage type companies? Is that the, it's sort of startups or? They are startups. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, and can, and can Booth, I presume Booth students or maybe recent graduates can be a part of this, right? They can apply to, to have their company be a part of the program or no? Oh yes, definitely. And it's broader than just the University of Chicago. It's anyone in Chicago or anyone any company can apply for it. Oh, wow. But it's housed at the university. Wow. Okay. Fascinating. Um, so is there, um, so I guess I, it sounds like there's a lot happening entrepreneurship-wise, you know, between the popularity of the concentration and then you've got this, um, you know, kind of opportunity for startups to get funding. Very interesting. Um, so I know, <laughs> I, I know that, um, you know, we can talk about academics and different things happening on campus, but I also know that our listeners are um, obsessively focused on the application process, because that's sort of where they are, right? Right. Um, and so I wondered if you'd be willing to just walk us through the life of an application from the moment the candidate, you know, hits submit until she gets a final decision. Because I think that, you know, applicants know a lot about their piece, but then they often wonder, like, where does the file go <laughs> when they press send and they're just sitting around waiting for the interview invitation to come? Um, you know, so they just, I'd love to just hear, yeah, like what happens on your end when that file comes in? Sure. Uh, so once someone submits, the first step is to just make sure that the application is complete. So our system will uh, check to make sure that all the letters of recommendation, scores, transcripts, everything is, um, has been received. And once an application is complete, it goes to committee. So our first step is to have an admissions director read the file. And that person will either uh, recommend, invite to interview, or deny. If they are denied or recommended be denied, then another director will read the file and can either confirm, deny, or uh, invite to interview. And if that person also denies, then a senior director confirms. So we would never deny someone without having three reviews. Okay. Just wanting to make sure that we're able to... uh, to see the entire application. Uh, now, if they're invited to interview, then they will have uh, the opportunity to interview with either a current student or with one of our alumni volunteers. Uh, once the interview report is received, it will go to another director who hasn't yet seen the file. And they have the option of voting admit, waitlist, or deny. And then the file goes to committee And then once it's in committee, then uh, myself and one of my senior directors will will uh, craft the final class. And then we will um, and there's lots of printing happening (laughs) and packets being created. And this year we're doing something different where we are not going to call our admits prior to nine o'clock on the decision day. Okay. we're actually going to allow the decisions to go live prior to us calling. Uh, we know that uh, we've heard from our candidates and we could see it on the clear admit um, live wire <laughs> that, uh, that we just cause a lot of anxiety within the uh, applicant pool. 
and we want to remove that. Yeah. We want to make it about them, not about us. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, um, yeah, there's a, it's a mix in terms of how schools do it. And I, you know, some schools call before and you're right, it does create um, sometimes some stress in the applicant pool because they see people announcing they've gotten in and then they're wondering why their phone hasn't rung or something. Right, so yeah. um, that makes sense. I want to go back to one point you made about um, if, so, you know, you have this reading process and if the first person who reads the file wants to deny and the second person recommends an interview invite, it then goes to a third reader or? No, it just, it just goes to invite. Okay. So, okay. So, um, so that's great. So you really give candidates the benefit of the doubt. It sounds like if there's, you know, as long as one of the readers wants to interview, then they'll come in for the interview. That's great. Mm -hmm. So, well, thanks for laying that. I knew that you would be able to do this very succinctly because <laughs> I know that, you know, one of your roles prior to the current role was, um, now I'm going to forget the exact title, but you were basically in charge of all the operations and evaluation, right? So, Correct. <laughs> um, so perfect. Uh, if you had to give candidates one tip about the application essays, what would it be? Um, I think it would be to answer the question. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is sometimes candidates want to tell the story that they want to hear or want to present, but the schools spend a lot of time coming up with these questions. So you should answer that question. Uh, I think that candidates sometimes overthink the essay but it's just one part of the application. And uh, also you don't wanna waste this opportunity. So don't share information that's already can be found in other areas of the application. Uh, we purposely at Booth, we ask the question, we have two essay questions. One is the typical why MBA, what are your post MBA goals? But our second question deliberately says, we'd like to learn more about you outside of the office. And we want to get to know who the person is. Mm -hmm. uh, because our we admit people, we don't admit applications. So we would like to get to know the people. Right. So, so it sounds like there are a couple of tips in there. I mean, obviously answering the question, but then also, yeah, be, be strategic about, you know, trying to introduce stuff that maybe isn't already on the resume or, or readily um, evident in, elsewhere in the file. Um, which is great advice. I do want to, I want to um, dial in on something really unique about your process, which is that you don't provide essay word limits or, well, you have minimums, but no maximum um, word count. And so I just wanted to know, like, where did that idea come from and how should students interpret that? Because I think students are so used to being like, okay, I only have 500 words to answer this question or, or whatever the word count is that I think they're thrown a little bit by this idea, oh, I have to write at least 250, but I can write as many <laughs> words as I want. So how do, what do they do with that? What's your advice? Uh, it's funny, Graham. Uh, to be completely honest, I think we're given more credit here than we deserve. <laughs> uh, when we were thinking up the essay questions, we were talking about what the maximum word level or word limit would be. And someone just said, what if we had a minimum? <laughs> and... Uh, the reality is that that approach actually aligns more closely with our previous essays, where we purposely avoid giving guidance. Uh, we want to allow the applicant to really interpret the question themselves, because that's what the real world is. That uh, when you're a working professional post-MBA, you're not necessarily going to be given all of the guidance that you need. You have to actually interpret it yourself. So we want to see how people navigate through that. Interesting. Yeah. No, I think it's great. And I, I feel like uh, yeah, it's sort of a, an interesting exercise for the candidate. 
Um, and I agree, yeah, there's definitely some ambiguity there, but that's probably a good thing. And you're not, you know, there are other schools that also have some, you know, diff- different exercises, but that also introduce ambiguity. So I think it's a, it's a bit of a trend. Um, and I think it's great that, um, yeah, th- that, that that's the way you guys have approached it. I also, I love the fact that you have that second question that allows candidates to bring in, like you said, stuff about who they are instead of, you know, the usual, you know, so, so I think it's great that you're trying to get to know everyone in that way. Um, I do remember you used to have a kind of PowerPoint exercise way back when um, that was very groundbreaking, but I think is also very similar to what the second essay question is trying to get at, which is just, yeah, what else makes up this candidate? Who are they and what else do they do outside of the office? Agreed. Very much so. Yeah. Tell me about the interview process at Booth. How does it work? How should one prepare? And I know you had mentioned earlier that, you know, second year students um, as well as alumni conduct these interviews, but it'd just be great to get more insight into like how they're conducted and what someone should be doing as they prepare for an interview. Sure. Uh, So similar to last year, all of our interviews this year will be conducted virtually, uh, either by current student or by alumni volunteer. It's important for candidates to know that these interviews are 100% blind, meaning that the interviewer will not have access to the candidate's application, only the resume. Okay. Uh, We view the interview as an opportunity for the candidate to add a little bit more to their candidacy. Uh, Candidates should be prepared to discuss their post-MBA goals, how the Booth MBA will help them achieve these goals. And we're also going to ask questions to assess resilience and how someone will be engaged as a student. One thing that we added, I think it was two years ago, uh, we added, anyone who's invited to interview, we added another essay. And it's now a video essay. So we will give people a prompt and they have about 10 days to upload the answer to this prompt. But it's another opportunity for us to get to know the candidates better. So, okay, so I get an interview invitation, and along with that comes some instruction with this prompt, and that tells me to go online and upload my response. How long is the video that they have to record, or is there no no limit? 60 seconds. Okay, so okay, so they have a minute. So it's very quick, yes. Okay, and and I guess the assumption is that they'll, they're doing this before they have the actual interview, or does it is there, does it matter? It doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. Cause I guess the interviewer, you said it's a blind interview. So the interviewer won't have seen this video or anything um, prior, but it's just a separate exercise. Correct. Okay. Um, that's really helpful. I think one of the things that uh, I, I feel like candidates sometimes struggle with is they pour their heart and soul into the application and then they walk into an interview that's blind, but they have trouble like sort of reconciling the fact that they need to sort of start over because it's a blind interview and they need to just, you know, start from the top <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so I'm really glad that you're uh, underlining that because I just feel like, you know, candidates need to know that going in and, and can just be prepared to, you know, walk the person through their story. Um, can you tell me just a little bit about what happens after the interview in the sense that the alum or the student, I presume they have to write up some kind of a report and then they send it in. And does that, that just gets added into the file? Because candidates always ask questions about, oh, you know, is the interview just the final step or is it just one piece of the puzzle that goes into the file for a final, you know, review? It's just one piece of the puzzle that goes in for the final review. Okay. Uh, And again, the interview is just, it's similar to the essay. It's just one part of the application. And in the interview, we're trying to assess things that we found it difficult to assess in an application format, uh, where it's a lot easier for us to talk 
through um, resilience questions in an interview than it is to ask someone to write 300 words on uh, a resilience question. Right. Yeah. And so it's, um, there's certain things that we just felt we were unable to assess by asking questions on the application and that we moved to the interview. Got it. Okay. Um, I think that's really helpful. I hope that everyone listening has been taking notes on this stuff. Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and ask about the Booth Scholars Program, which, um, you know, people have different names for these types of things. I, I normally refer to them as kind of a deferred enrollment type MBA where, you know, a college student um, can apply and, and get an offer um, to a join booth after having worked for a couple of years. So um, kind of getting access early on um, to a spot in the class. But do you have any advice for candidates um, for Booth Scholars? Like who who should be thinking about the deferred path? Like if someone is a college junior or senior listening to this podcast, how, how would they know that, oh, I should be applying for this versus just doing the sort of traditional route of going off and working for a while and applying to business school later? Yeah. So uh, just to give you a little background, the Booth Scholars Program actually started in 2002. And it was originally limited to just UChicago graduates. And in 2018, we expanded to allow any current undergrad to apply. Mm-hmm. I think the Booth Scholars Program is best served to those who already know at that time that their long-term plans include an MBA. Okay. And by applying as an undergrad, it will give you some clarity on where your future, or on your future. Uh, I think that when you're thinking about an MBA, that there's different points in your career that an MBA becomes an MBA is something that you decide that you want to seek out. Mm -hmm. And for some of those, it's when they're an undergrad. For some of those, it can be 10, 15 years post undergrad. Got it. And for those who already have their mindset on an MBA, it's very easy to apply as an undergrad. You're already in the, in that higher ed state of mind. Mm -hmm. So it would be a good time. You also then as an undergrad or as a Boost Scholar, you get access to a network right away. Right. That you will be part of. Uh, there'll be different um, opportunities for you to engage with fellow uh, scholars as well as some professional development during your deferment period. And I feel like, I'm, so I'm a little bit of a broken record on this because I've said this to some of our other guests on the show, but I, I feel like it's such a great opportunity to be able to like lock in your spot when you're, as you said, you're in academic mode, it's easy to apply. Um, and then you tap into this network and, and you sort of have things mapped out for you a bit, as opposed to the uncertainty of just diving out into the workforce and then someday down the road <laughs> applying to business school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did want to ask you, you know, even if someone knows they want an MBA when they're a junior or senior in, in college, how do they, I mean, how are you assessing their file, right? Because normally when you're reading an application for Booth, you've got all kinds of data points on their work experience and, you know, maybe leadership skills and teamwork and all that stuff. And so what do you go, like, what are the go-to items for, you know, an undergrad? Where are you finding the, you know, the the facts and the figures that you might need to make a decision? Well, our deferred applications, they fill out the same application as any MBA Mm -hmm. with the added question of what are you planning on doing post-undergrad? So it's just a little bit different of a prompt. Mm-hmm. And they're also taking tests. We see their transcripts. We see their internships. We know uh, where they're heading or what they're going to uh, do when they graduate. So those are all things that we we evaluate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I 
do think you're probably pointing out that we do take a little risk in admitting someone early, but there's a lot of people worth taking a risk on. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I guess, and I, I would also think that you might, um, I mean, a lot of undergraduates are really active, yes. right, on campus and things. And so I guess you can look at those things too, and maybe in a way that you wouldn't as closely for a, you know, someone who's five years away already from their time in college or something. And leadership opportunities that they took advantage of on campus, uh, their letters of recommendation, how were they in the classroom, plus how were they, uh, how did they perform in internships, Yeah, all those things. Okay. So it's not just one thing. It's, again, just like the regular application. It's just not one part of the application that we focus on. It's really that holistic approach. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyway, very good advice there for, for those looking at that program. Um, I guess I did want to ask you, I kind of have to ask about COVID and what, like, what's the current situation on campus? Um, I presume that, you know, you mentioned students are there, so I presume everything's kind of in-person instruction, but I, I know some of our listeners, you know, they may want to, um, that they're applying, so they might at some point want to visit. But I, I feel like most of the schools I've been speaking with have been saying no campus visits for now, but maybe in the spring, it's sort of things are up in the air. So what, what's the latest on kind of COVID at UChicago? So everything for our students is in person. So we did fully resume all in-person activities last week, which we're extremely excited about. Uh, but unfortunately, we're very similar to, similar to all the other schools. We are not having any campus visitors. Uh, we hope to allow people back in the spring. Mm-hmm. We are thinking about how we can have some potential small targeted events, uh, but we first just need to figure out how we get our students to be safe on campus. This is step one. And then we'll focus on visitors, step two. Yeah, that's very consistent with what all the all the peer schools are, are saying and that, you know, yeah, obviously the priority is to have students have a um, kind of back to normal sort of experience um, and then, you know, visits will happen when they happen. I'm hopeful that it'll be in the spring. I guess we'll see how things um, continue to shake out. So, um, Donna, those were the main questions that I had about admissions and, and learning more about Booth. But one of the things that we love to do on the show is just um, just get to know our guests a little bit more, because I think that for some of our listeners, the admissions directors um, at leading MBA programs are these kind of like mythical <laughs> creatures who are, um, you know, gatekeepers or something. And so what we like to do is just ask you some regular old questions to get to know you a bit more so that everyone can understand that you are a human and that you, you know, um, have likes and dislikes and, um, you know, that just to help them to get to know you a little bit and, and hopefully take some of the mystique <laughs> out of this stuff. Sure. Go for it. So... All right. So the first question is coffee or tea? Tea. I've never drank coffee. All right. Wow. Never, like you never got into the habit. No. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so beach or mountains? Mountains. Okay. And now I'm going to ask, and I didn't, you know, tell you I was going to ask you this, I guess, but when you say mountains, are you like a hiker or do you like being in the mountains in the winter as well for like winter activities? Hiker. Hiker. Okay, cool. Are you a morning person or a night owl? I am a complete night owl. <laughs> okay. Um, good thing we didn't schedule this too early then in the day. <laughs> um, what's a pet peeve that you have? Being late. I hate when I'm late and I hate when other people are late. Got it. Um, now that, that dovetails back into what you were saying about travel and <laughs> just yeah. wishing you could kind of like, 
you know, transport yourself from, you know, one event to another instead of having to go through <laughs> the whole rigmarole. Uh, what is a guilty pleasure that you have? Uh, watching old episodes of 90210. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Um, what is your favorite virtue in others? Empathy. I think right now there's not enough, but I really appreciate people who are empathetic. Could not agree more. Um, what about a happy place? Oh, I would have to say either at home with my family or Wrigley Field watching a Cubs game. Ooh, wow. Okay, so you're a baseball person. Yes. <laughs> um, some people who listen to this show regularly will know that I'm a um, rabid <laughs> baseball fan. Um, <laughs> although we're not, um, I like the Phillies because uh, I'm from Philadelphia. So uh, um, obviously it doesn't come up too much because they don't play that often. But And, and Wrigley is a fantastic um, baseball stadium. So that's a nice, happy place. <laughs> um Comfort food. I would have to say my mom's meatloaf. Wow. Okay. Now, now that's that. I might have to ask for a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. What about a biggest regret that you've had? Something you regret doing? I think it's more of what I did not do. I did not finish my advanced degree. I started a master's in public administration, but life got in the way, and I always regret not finishing it. Got it. Um, and it, but it sounds like you've been very busy, so I can understand <laughs> um, how that would happen. Um, what is there anything that you would change about how you were raised? And, and let's hope that you know mom's not listening or something. But <laughs> you know, I this question, I don't really think there's anything I would change. I was happy. I think I I may have, if I would ever go back to talk to myself, I would say that things that happen now really don't matter. Mm -hmm. Don't put so much emphasis on certain things. Got it. And you would have said, like, finish that degree. <laughs> yes, I probably would have done that, yes. Um, all right, what is the superpower that you wish you had? Oh, I think that um, it used to be reading minds, but I think that would be terrifying right now. <laughs> uh, but instead, I would want to be able to teleport. Okay, yeah, to avoid travel. <laughs> Which, yes. Got it. Um, which part of the Chicago booth admissions process would you most like to skip if you were applying today? I would have to say the waiting. I know that we make our candidates wait a long time between decisions, and I'm sorry, but we need to evaluate. But um, having just had three kids go through the college application experience, I know the waiting is really the hardest part. And not just quoting Tom Petty. But... Yeah, I knew. I was going to say, I think there's a song in there somewhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's funny because I don't feel like, I mean, you all, you know, Booth's process is similar to your peers and I don't feel like, but, but I, I hear you, you, like you need time to review these mm -hmm. files and give them their due. And I, I also, one of the things I picked up on when you were talking us through the process is that, I mean, you all do a lot of reads of these files and that takes time. And I think candidates need to understand that too. I mean, I feel like um, it's great to know that like, you know, it sounds like, what, at least three, if not more, folks are going to sit down and read a, a candidate's file. So, I mean, that's really terrific. And that gives them a lot of time to sort of, you know, get heard, which is crucial. But I, but I get it. I know the candidates would love to get a decision, you know, within minutes, um, much like they get their Amazon delivery or something, you sure. know. Um, so uh, what about um, the best thing that you have read or watched or listened to recently? Oh, uh, I'm probably going to say something a lot of people are saying right now, but Ted Lasso. <laughs> yes. And there's also a documentary that we're watching, uh, 1971, the year that 
music changed everything. So that's also something I would recommend to people. Oh, wow. Okay. I haven't heard of that. I'll have to check that one out. Um, Ted Lasso I've heard of um, and is very funny. <laughs> um, excellent. All right. Well, so our listeners can take note of that. Uh, Donna, I guess we'll have to hang out sometime and watch some 90210 and, and listen to Tom Petty <laughs> or something. But it's really, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, with travel opening up, we'll actually be able to <laughs> get together in person at some point. But I really appreciate you making time to talk about, you know, everything booth and, and the process and, and also just to share some of your personal background and stuff. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you so much, Graham, for having me again. Uh, It was very nice talking with you too. Pleasure was mine. Um, So everyone stay tuned to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions podcast for more admissions director Q&As, as well as our weekly Wiretaps episodes. And as always, thanks for rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you listen.